pork chop in a synagogue. Now, what is Richard up to here? How many people can he offend in just half an hour? So, I'm going to give you Acts 9 in 30 seconds. Acts 9 is split up into two parts. There's the first part has to do with Saul becoming Paul. I mean, what would happen to me? Richard becomes such a... I, I don't know, but... It starts with Saul's conversion on his road to Damascus, and then he has an encounter, and it takes like nine years, but he gets transformed from Saul to Paul, in a way. But he's met with a lot of distrust, because he's done a lot of damage. And, and so he, Barnabas takes him under his wing and presents him before Jerusalem. Then he, they want to kill him. The, the Jews want to kill him. The Christians are terrified of him, and the Jews want to kill him. So he's like stuck in no man's land. And then the church says, okay, we'll shunt him off to Tarsus via Caesarea, and off he goes. And there's peace in the church. So if you want to get rid of trouble, send it off to Tarsus. Jokes, okay, that was a bad joke. But there was a period, there was a period of peace in the church at that time. Okay, the next section of Acts 9, which I call part 2, is a shift from Paul to Peter. And this is where we come in. So we start with Acts 9, part 2, I call it, and we see that Peter is hard at work. He's doing little things like raising people from the dead and healing the sick. Just little things. And, um, and basically, I'll read from the scriptures quickly. Peter heals Aeneas, Aeneas. So as Peter was ministering from place to place, um, we see that he goes to a village. There's a man named Aeneas who's been paralyzed for eight years. Um, Peter says to him, Aeneas, Jesus, the anointed one, instantly and divinely heals you. Now get up and make your bed. All at once he stood up to his feet, and then all the people of Lydia and Sharon saw him, and they became believers in the Lord. Okay, so that's how Peter did it. I mean, I've been meditating on this. It is like so simple. He says, get up, make your bed, and just fit sack. It's just, it's, there's no deep, heavy prayers. It's just pure authority and truth spoken into that scenario. So uh, let me tell you about my latest healing escapade. So we had this outreach in Pine Town. You know about it. I wasn't here. I was in Port Elizabeth. But I'm not about to be outdone by anyone. So I'm in a shopping center in Port Elizabeth, there by some casino somewhere, I don't know. It's a big shopping center. I say, Lord, show me someone I can pray for, for healing. I'm standing in the middle of the center of the shopping center. And then this, in the distance, way at the bottom there, I see this oak hobbling towards me. With his baby in his hands and his wife next to him. Okay. So what do you think I did? I turned and headed the other way. And I said, Lord, if it's your will, they'll follow me. <laughs> no, there's no kidding you. I'm just going to be frank and true with you. And ironically, the Spirit of the Lord was upon me. So like in the worship today, I feel the Holy Spirit. He comes upon me. My hands get this wind blowing over me. I've got to chill. It's not just the air conditioning. I've checked many times. And... um. 
and I can feel the anointing upon me. So I've got the anointing, and I'm heading in the opposite direction. So I head down, and these oaks follow me. I said, Lord, if it's your will, they'll follow me. But they kept following me. I left the shopping center, and they still followed me. So now I've got a dilemma. So, okay, Lord, clearly, I said, surely they're going to turn into a shop. Not a chance. So then I went, they came out of the shopping center, and I said, God wants me to pray for you. And I see you've got a problem with your leg. Be healed in Jesus' name, and nothing happened. And Oak like, started laughing at me. He said, don't worry, I'm a Christian, but I received your word. And he extended grace to me. Thank you very much. And, you know, we shook, we talked a bit, and we left. And I have like to believe that I was semi-obedient <laughs> in the moment. <laughs> I eventually had the courage to sit and pray. Look, God has told me quite clearly to pray for you. And I prayed for him. And then I've got to leave it in God's hands. Okay, well, I took trying to do some of it in my own hands. But anyway. Um, and I'm really going to take on this burden of not being scared of man anymore. And so I didn't do a fantastic job of it. But that's okay. Yeah, yes, I am a leader of your church. What a great example I am. You can do better than me. Okay. So it's okay to have fear. Eventually, I did act on it. I got there in the end. Um, so, hopefully, we can be better than me and be a little bit more like Peter. But it's not about us. It's actually about just being obedient to the Holy Spirit in all of this. I was like semi-obedient. God tolerates me. Thank you, Lord. He loves me and he loves the other person. So, then Peter goes and raises someone from the dead. So, there's this in verse... Um, 936, there was Tabitha, she's called Gazelle, I don't know, they stuck that in for some reason. She lived her life doing kind things for others and serving the poor, and then she dies. And then they send off uh, from Tarsus to Joppa, which is sort of maybe 50 k's away. Come over, there's this woman who's dead. I don't know what they wanted Peter to do, but he comes from Lada, and he goes to, to Joppa. He arrives in the upper room, and there are many widows standing around the body, weeping. And he chews them out, and he just commands. He turns to, turn, turning to the dead body, he says, Tabitha, rise up. There's no like, in Jesus' name, do this, da-da-da. It's just, Tabitha, rise up. He is carrying authority. The authority of knowing what God wants to do in that time. See, there's no heavy prayers. It's just like, Tabitha, rise up. Three words. Okay. Three words. That's all he spoke, according to the scripture. There's no big Shandai session. Just, and then she got up. She opened up her eyes. He took her by the hand, helped her to her feet. He called all the other believers and all the widows. And look, she's alive. News spread all over the city of Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. So, there is a consequence and a fruit of Peter's obedience. Peter is being obedient. He's just going around being Peter with the Holy Spirit in him. God says, pray for this person, he does it. Pray for that person, they rise from the dead. Nothing too fancy, he's just being obedient. And the fruit of that is that hundreds of people's lives are being changed and that the gospel is going out. 
Because you cannot, you can try and argue with someone about evangelism, but you can't deny someone who's been dead or been paralyzed for eight years, and everyone knows them, and then suddenly they are transformed. You cannot fight with that. There's no argument against the power of God. And so we really need to be healing people and raising them from the dead if we can. And we need to pray for faith to be able to do that. And it's important. Because with that, they, there comes their testimony and many people see and many people turn to the Lord. And it, it, it's backed up, um, what's it, Mark 16, the Great Commission, which is basically Jesus saying, going into the world and preach the gospel to all creation and whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And then he just says uh, at the end of it, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And they will, whatever, place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. It's a commandment. A part of the Great Commission is that signs and wonders will follow. The disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. So yes, there should be signs following me, which is not really, I have to look and look for the signs sometimes. But the signs won't follow unless I step out in faith. And, you know, faith is not about me, other than me believing. It's about me believing that God will work. Not me doing the work. No, I haven't got to my sermon yet. It's, the disciples were obedient. Cornelius, Acts 10, this is where we begin. Now this is a seriously long bit of scripture, and I'm just, the, the reason why it's a long piece of scripture is that it repeats itself three times. And I'm not going to do that. So, what we are going to do is, because it's such a long piece of scripture, I'm going to get comfortable. So, don't mind me. Yeah, we're going to sit down and just read the scripture. It's, okay. Where were we? At the time, there was a Roman military officer. Get yourselves comfortable. Cornelius, he was in charge of 100 men stationed in Caesarea of the Italian regiment. He was a devout man of extraordinary character and worshipped God and prayed regularly. So that's a great oak. That's a nice guy. He's a believer he, and he's a Gentile. He also had a heart for the poor and gave generously. And one afternoon about 3 o'clock he had an open vision and the angel of God appeared to him and called out his name, Cornelius, and he's startled. He's overcome with fear. And he says, what do you want, Lord? And the angel says, your prayers and your generosity, your prayers and your generosity to the poor have ascended before God as the eternal offering. Now send some men to Joppa and find a guy called Simon the Rock. He was staying and he gives them very specific instructions. This is where you'll find him. And then the angel left. Now, your prayers and your gifts to the poor it is possible to please God <laughs> with works. But it's not about the works, it's about the heart. It was the heart of Cornelius. It wasn't what he was doing, but it was because he was doing it for the right motives. That, went, that was what went to God as the sacrifice. And he's not a believer. He's just someone who loves God. And then Peter has a vision. 
So we jump to Peter. Around noon, Cornelius' men are approaching Joppa. Peter goes up to a flat roof on the house to pray, and then he's hungry, and he wants to eat. But while he had lunch, while lunch was being prepared, he fell into a trance and entered into another realm. Now, we can't even blame the pizza, because he hadn't eaten yet. So he has this vision, and it's very, very specific. And what we see is that a voice, there's this large linen tablecloth that descends from above and it's being led down to the earth by its four corners and inside of it is all the types of unlacquer food. The pork chop in the synagogues. It's, it's reptiles, it's pigs, it's, it's all wild birds and everything that should not be eaten. And then the voice says to him, Peter, go and prepare them to be eaten. Peter's like, oof, there's no ways I could do that. There's no ways I can do that. It's forbidden. According to our Jewish laws, the voice is spoken again. Nothing is unclean if God declares it to be clean. Now Peter's a slow learner. So this repeats itself three times. (laughs) And I'm reminded of the rooster that crowed three times. I have to be, and then how Jesus redeems him three times. So Peter's a slow learner. He has to, this has to happen three times again. And then he's like, okay, yeah, maybe God's speaking to me. Here's the picture. Now he knew God was speaking to him, but it was hard. And what I want to do is just, conf- there is a time of reflection. You can compare Cornelius' righteousness with Peter's. Now, Peter is raising people from the dead and healing the sick. Cornelius is not doing that. But inside his heart, he believes that this gospel is only for the Jews. He is so conditioned. He has seen Jesus being touched by a woman with an issue of blood. He has been with Jesus while Jesus laid hands on lepers. Talk about unclean. So let's go. He has been with Jesus in Samaria where they encountered the woman at the well who led the first revival amongst the Gentiles. He was with Jesus the whole time. It's not enough to be with Jesus if your heart doesn't change. He's doing miracles in Jesus' name and God is being faithful and he's raising people from the dead. He doesn't believe that the Gentiles are entitled to this gospel. He's practicing and doing the things there, signs and wonders, and his theology is wrong. That God is faithful because it's not about Peter, and it's not about Peter's theology. It's about God wanting to bless others. And he will use those with incorrect theology, but he wants to fix them up. And he goes on this encounter to try and transform Peter. And so we see Cornelius' righteousness can be contrasted with Peter's in some ways. Peter is being righteous to the law, but he's a born-again believer. And we see this contradiction of law and grace at hard at work here. There's grace on Cornelius. There's grace on both of them. And it's this grace on both of them that's at work. 
Simon, yeah, God loves Simon. Three men are looking for you. Go up and follow them. I've sent them. And then the first question Peter asks is, why have you come? So, often God asks us to do something. He just doesn't tell us the why. The why will emerge. We are always want to have the answer as to the why. Why do you want me to do that, Lord? Why must I do this? <laughs> come on, Lord. Just do it. The why will come later. The why came later. God didn't tell him the why in the vision. He just showed him a vision. So God is calling Peter. He's not giving him a why. God often doesn't provide the why until you actually have stepped out in faith. And then you, oh, that's why. That's why you wanted me to do that, Lord. So the next day, Peter starts out with them. You know, he actually invites them into someone else's house, which is interesting. <laughs> Good stewardship of others' resources. Um, and he arrives in Caesarea, and while they Okay, and he comes now. Whoops, and there is the alarm going off. And we thank you, Lord, that it's just the dogs. Um, now I've completely lost my track. But anyway, we are talking about, so he arrives now at this house. And Cornelius has been prepared, waiting for him. So he's not, he's not just sitting there, wondering what's going to go on next. He has assembled his friends. And every, he's a man of influence and he's got people together to hear what is about to come. He doesn't know what's coming. But he's prepared himself to receive. So Cornelius is a man of faith. He's seen an angel and he's brought others in. I'm not going to be the only recipient of what God has for me. I'm going to bring others with me. I mean, what a heart. Hey? Um, so, they arrive in Caesarea. Cornelius is waiting anxiously for them and had gathered together all of his relatives and close friends. The moment Peter walks in the door, Cornelius fell at his feet and worships him and says, Hey, Peter, stop it, man. Well, Peter says, Stop it. Get up. I'm a man. I'm the same as you. They talk together and they go inside and then they say, Peter, we want to hear what the Lord has asked you to impart. And so what happens is Peter starts giving them the entire gospel about this is what happened with the, through the Jewish history. Then you had this man called Jesus, who was actually God's son, and he died for us, etc., etc. And, um, and he also says to them, you know that I cannot associate with you because I'm a Jew. But God has shown me that I should never view anyone as inferior or richly unclean. So when you sent for me, I came without objection. And he asks, why have you sent for me? He knows why I sent for him, but he asks the question anyway. He wants clarity. And then Cornelius tells them the story of the angel coming and how God has heard his, and Peter says, God has heard your prayers and your generosity to the poor has been recorded and remembered in God's presence. Anyway. Now, so Peter starts to preach. And while he is preaching, the message of grace 
the Holy Spirit falls. He hasn't finished preaching yet. He hasn't called the Spirit down. God just decided to intervene. And the Spirit falls and they start speaking in tongues. It's like Pentecost all over again for Gentiles. So Peter gives them a rundown of the gospel. It's Acts 10.34. You read it for yourselves. I'm not going to go through the scripture. We'll be here all day. But it really is the gospel about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, being raised on the third day. And then appearing to the disciples afterwards. And then the Holy Spirit comes down in power. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out. That even on the Gentiles, even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, why did I take my shoes off? Because I wanted to be comfortable. How many of you were mildly offended when I took my shoes off? Come on, be honest with me. No, 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 we're friends here. Now, I want some truth here, especially with the socks. Surely the socks would have been offensive. No, they don't. Yeah, there we go. Okay, at least at last an honest person. I took the shoes off to make a point because preachers normally don't take their shoes off. Maybe I should have taken the socks off, but then I would have lost half of you. So I took the shoes off just to make a point because it's not done in churches. It's something a pastor or a preacher wouldn't do. You wouldn't come up here barefoot and preach from the pulpit. It's disrespectful to the congregation. Sorry that I've disrespected you. <laughs> yeah, unless you do it barefoot. Sorry, Donna. Donna, you're full of disrespect for the body of Christ. I rebuke you. Um, I was just testing you a little bit. Actually, it's a lot more comfortable. Thank you for your grace. <laughs> um, but I wanted to just have something I could talk about that would challenge you other than stripping down my shirt and things like that that just would not be good for anyone. Um, <laughs> so, where are we going here? I got sidetracked. It's about the Holy Spirit falling and the Gentiles. There's an aftermath. This doesn't go without some damage. I wouldn't say damage. It's not the right answer. What happens is Peter goes and he then baptizes the entire, all the people present with water. Okay, so the first thing is, I don't think God really cares whether it's spirit first, then water, water first, then spirit. It doesn't seem to be any issue Water baptism is important. It's a sign. And we're called to baptize. So water baptism is good. If you haven't been water baptized, there's going to be water baptism sessions in this church. And it's good to reaffirm your faith in that area. It's for you to make a public statement about being transformed through passing under the water. It does not get you into heaven. It's just a statement for yourself, a statement of faith. And so he baptizes these guys. That's the first thing. He says, well, 
if they're really baptized in the Spirit, then clearly I can baptize them in water. I mean, that's Peter's logic. You can't fault, find, find any fault with that. <laughs> so he baptizes them. Then he gets summoned back to Jerusalem. What on earth is going on, Yikes? And he's with the other apostles. They call him John, James, the whole lot of them. He's got to stand and give an account. What is scary is that they're asking, why on earth are you preaching to the Gentiles? Guys, this is the leadership of the church. Wanting to know what Peter's up about. We are greatly concerned, they say. The same guys that had been with Jesus, had seen Jesus, had received the Holy Spirit, knew that Jesus loved the Gentiles, and they want an account from Peter. In a good way, not in a bad way. Then Peter goes through everything again. That's why we're not going to read it. This is what happened. Da, 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 da. And they, they have a new revelation and they're overjoyed. This is fantastic. Jesus came for the Gentiles, and they buy into it for a while. Paul comes later in one of the other acts, somewhere like 16 or whatever, and has to deal with them at the council or whatever, because they turn back to the circumcised and uncircumcised. And so you know, Paul comes back and holds them to account for a second time. Um, but regardless, there's overjoying, they're happy, and, and the Holy Spirit has been working with both parties. Acts 11. This is the aftermath. That slide. Oh, wrong page. There we go. So, oops. There we go. As I began to spoke, speak, says Peter, the Holy as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Wow, man, I, have to, I got the shivers when I read that. Who are we to think that we can stand in God's way with our prejudices? I mean, this nation has some answering to do with apartheid and all sorts of things like that. We stood in God's way. And I'm hoping that as a nation we've repented of that. We had prejudice. We stood in God's way under the name of the Lord. But God is gentle. He wants to reconcile all parties and bring healing. So, I'm closing off. I'll get my shoes back on now. The Holy Spirit is working all the time. I mean, this is the exciting thing, is that, you know, Jesus says, I do what I see my Father doing. And God is at work all the time. And Jesus is working all the time. The Holy Spirit is working. They are working. They are not sitting in heaven on a throne. Just let, leaving you to your own devices, and when the rapture comes, I'll blow the seventh trumpet and off we go. No, 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 no. There's work to be done. And we need to join with what God is up to. Not our own little mission. He is seeking available people to facilitate, and Peter was available. 
Peter wasn't perfect. He was available. Peter had some wrong theology. God can work with wrong theology. (laughs) Because probably half of my theology might also be wrong. I've got to be humble in this. We've all got to just be humble. But yes, we, we, we need to get our theology right. It's not an excuse to say, I've got bum theology, live with it. That's not good enough. Because people are suffering if we have incorrect theology. I'm not trying to justify by any means incorrect theology. I'm just saying God will overcome that and will work through that because he loves people. And so he loves Peter. He loved Cornelius and he got the two together and sorted them both out one time. I mean, wow, great God, you're at work. Not what something man could have done. And being with Jesus, miracles, signs and wonders, and positions of authority don't necessarily guarantee that we have a full revelation of the gospel. And we've got to examine our hearts and test ourselves against Scripture. Just be careful. That's all. I mean, the entire Jerusalem council was a little bit misled in this. I mean, they hadn't had a revelation yet that the gospel was for the Gentiles, despite what Jesus had been up to. Um. Signs and wonders greatly facilitate revival. Okay, the word revival is debatable. It's about evangelism and seeing people's lives transformed and evidence of the power of God at work. And so we should be seeking to be obedient through signs and wonders. We need to step out in faith. And, but in obedience to God and not on our own little missions. God's inviting us to join him with his Holy Spirit. Both Peter and Cornelius, both, of the, both parties, were all the parties here were obedient. They were all obedient. And with that, we see this, with, through obedience, this radical transformation and fruit everywhere. In closing, apologies to Tams. Small font. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you where He's working. And He will. Lord, where are you working? What? Because He doesn't want you to work everywhere. You know, maybe Hannah's good at spiritual counseling with Sosa, but I'm probably not the right. My empathy levels are way off the scale in the opposite direction. I'm not the guy to be crying on someone's shoulder. But I have other gifts. When I find them, I'll let you know what they are. It's fine. My identity is very secure. Okay, My loving wife points out my strengths and weaknesses all the time. (laughs) Love you, puppet. And um, we complement each other. We have different strengths and weaknesses. And that's okay. I don't need to be all things to all people. You don't need to be all things to all people. Stop trying to be all things to all people. Just be what God wants you to be. That's all. Isn't that freeing? Um, be careful not to judge by your standard of revelation. You know, if the pastor takes his preacher takes his shoes off on the pulpit, don't judge too harshly. That's yeah, just, just a little illustrative joke, but, but 
I remember God head clapping me when I had a lot of judgment of the Catholic Church. And I don't necessarily agree with everything that happens in the Catholic Church, but hey, I don't think any denomination is pure and holy. It's about people and not religious frameworks. And you know, God gave me a quick wake, you know, wake up talk about where the Holy Spirit is actually moving and working. Um, and I had judgment on my heart in that area. I had to repent. That was very early on in my Christian walk. But we've got to be obedient as an act of faith. And we need to speak the truth in the gospel of Jesus. It was Jesus, the speaking of the gospel of Jesus and putting everyone's focus on Jesus that brought the Holy Spirit down. The power of the word. Otherwise, we could just be preaching in a synagogue without mentioning Jesus. It's actually all about Jesus who saves and Jesus who heals um, through the Holy Spirit. And we've got to keep the truth of the gospel. Jesus who heals. Understand that it's God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus at work and we join them. So, that is the end of the preach. Um, and John 5, 17, I actually don't have it in my notes, I put in the presentation. Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working. This is Jesus just, I think before he goes up to be in the ascension. My father is always at his work and I too am working. And the Holy Spirit, is not, this is before the Holy Spirit got sent. Yeah, otherwise he would have like, thrown that in as well. So all three parties are hard at work. And we're invited to be part of that. Because we are. We are children of God. We are His children. We are His ambassadors. We are equipped. We don't have to be perfect. We just have to be obedient and humble in this. Okay, let's just stand and pray. I don't think this needs ministry. We're not going to necessarily do ministry. If you do want prayer in this area, come forward after we close. We can pray for you, and I'll have my shoes on by then. Um, So, but what I do is I want to pray with you, and we're just going to pray in agreement. So this is the ADD in me coming out. You see, I've got prestic. Someone stuck prestic on the lectern. Bad move. But I'm not going to make light of this. This is important. So we're going to just pray. I think I'm going to pray that that you find your purpose. And that you're not strapped by others' expectations of who and what you should or shouldn't be. And then secondly, that if you are carrying judgment and assumptions in your heart about others and how they exercise their Christianity, that you pray for revelation in that. Um, that, that, that you pray that the Holy Spirit reveals to you and reveals to them what the truth of the situation is. And then I pray for boldness in you, that you can be better than I was the other day. <laughs> Just that you would step out in faith and ask God, where are you at work, Lord? And let me just take away any fear of man that I can speak love. Have my heart full of love for other people. Compassion ignites you to move. It is the love that will overcome your fear. Okay, let's pray. 
Father, we give you thanks for this morning. I pray and thank you for this just wonderful family of the God. Every single person, a precious, precious gift that you have empowered, you have anointed, you have set free, Lord. And Lord, I pray that they would understand their purposes and their callings, Lord God, at this time and this place, that they would have a sensitivity, that we would have a sensitivity to what your Spirit is saying for us. When we go to work tomorrow, when we're at home tomorrow, when we're talking to the postman or whatever it is, or going to the shopping center, that we would hear your Spirit clearly and be obedient. That love would cast out fear. That love would cast out fear. And we do not need to be perfect in our theology either. Lord, where we are maybe a little bit wrong in our theology, that you would bring correction gently. You would reveal through your spirit what it is. And that we wouldn't stand in pride over our great theology. But we would have humility. And just hear what you are saying. And go to the scriptures and be true to the word. of what, How the Holy Spirit is is wanting to communicate. At the bottom, it is about Jesus and about love. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to be obedient. Where there is fear, cast it out. But it is love, your, the love that you will give us, that will cast that out. And so I pray that we would seek your face. When we seek your face, you fill us with love and compassion. And through that, we can have healing taking place. Thank you for everyone here today. Thank you for the word that sets us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.